1: is for you guys to hear um, from two people uh, in our church who have experienced same-sex attraction and they're gonna be sharing, you, uh, sharing with you their stories. And then we're gonna be able to hear uh, from someone in our church who has a transgender sibling and we're gonna hear a little bit of her story. And then we're gonna do an extended time of Q&A. So let's go to that slide with the Q&A. This is always our number for text message questions. Would love for you to text in any questions you have, we're not experts, we're going to answer to the best of our ability according to what scripture teaches, but make sure you text in any questions you have about anything we talked about last week or anything that we talk about this week. So let me jump back in, do a quick recap, and do a a few quick uh, definitions, and then we're going to jump into tonight's topic. First thing I want to say is this, and I said this last week, same-sex orientation or attraction, I want to define the terms so that we know what we're talking about. Same-sex orientation or attraction is when an individual has emotional, physical, and or romantic attachments toward a person of the same gender. We're also talking tonight about gender dysphoria or transgender. Gender dysphoria is a strong desire to be of another gender, which may include the desire to change primary and or secondary sex characteristics. Now, I want to say this every single time I talk about this topic. I don't always think the church has handled this topic well. In fact, I think the church has made uh, people with same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria feel alienated, feel alone, feel isolated. And so right now, if you're in this space, if you can hear my voice, and you're experiencing same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria, and you want to talk, I would love the opportunity to just listen to your story. My phone number is 805-766-1072. You can text me confidentially. We can set up a time to meet because I would love to just hear your story and come alongside you and support you. I also want want you to hear this. I want to apologize and repent. I said this last week, but I want to say it again. I want to apologize and repent to any student experiencing same-sex attraction and or gender dysphoria who has felt like God doesn't care about you. Or that he doesn't love you because of something a Christian, the church, or myself has said to you. Because that couldn't be farther from the truth. And last disclaimer is this. Having same-sex orientation, and I want to be really clear here having same-sex orientation is not sinful. And remember, we define same-sex orientation is you just wake up in the morning and you're attracted to the same sex. That in and of itself is not inherently sinful. In the same way that as I wake up heterosexual, I wake up attracted to women, I haven't committed any sin in that moment. And in fact, when the scripture does speak about same-sex, uh, the topic, it always is referring to same-sex relationships and same-sex lust. And so it's important that we make a disclaimer because for too long people who have been attracted to the same sex feel like, man, there's n- because I'm just attracted to the same sex without lusting, without behaving, without acting on those desires, I'm automatically sinful. And the Bible, I'm just trying to stay close to the Bible, the Bible specifically, and don't miss this part, the Bible specifically talks about and addresses same-sex lust and same-sex relationships and calls those sinful. But it doesn't say having that orientation or waking up and realizing you're attracted to the same sex that that is inherently sinful. In the same way when it comes to gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is a real thing as we're gonna talk about in a minute. That there's people who, who, who are, are biologically sexed one way and they don't feel like they fit into that biology. Having those thoughts is not necessarily sinful. Now, as, as I'm gonna argue, I believe God would want somebody who has gender dysphoria to to learn to live at peace in the body that God gave them. I believe that God would desire that for us, but I wanna make sure that we're defining our terms clearly. And then lastly, I wanna share this scripture with you. 1 Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Now, I wanna lay out, and as I did last week, biblical, scriptural evidence. We, We know, we talked about this last week, God loves us, he really loves us, and so we can trust him. But I wanna make sure that when we're talking about these kinds of things, that we're doing it with gentleness and respect as we're talking about the truth. And so here's our last big idea, and then we'll get to our personal stories tonight. Big idea number seven, picking up from last week, is this. Gender dysphoria is real and should be taken seriously. Here's a a reminder of the definition. Gender dysphoria is a concept designated in the DSM-5, which is the fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, It is designated in the DSM-5 as clinically significant distress or impairment related to a strong desire to be of another gender, which may include the desire to change primary and or secondary sex characteristics. Now, there's probably four different, uh, at least in in my uh, beginning study of this concept, there's, there's four types of gender dysphoria. There's childhood dysphoria. This is where somebody from their very earliest memories feels like they don't, they don't fit into the body that God has given them. There's adolescent dysphoria. This is when it happens a little bit later on in life. There's lifelong dysphoria where people for their entire lives feel that, they're just, that they're, they're, the, their biological sex doesn't match how they feel. And then there's rapid onset gender dysphoria. This is a new phenomenon that researchers are studying. They're they're seeing a correlation between students being heavily, young people especially, being heavily influenced by social media, heavily influenced by their social circles, and they call it rapid onset because it's as if they never had any gender dysphoric thoughts before, and then all of a sudden, almost overnight, they want to change their gender. They want to... uh, uh, become what God had not intended them to become. Now, I know I'm diving deep in this, but it's because I want to I help us all get on the same page. There's a brain sex theory that's at the, that's at the core of this conversation. And the brain sex theory says that one's brain might have its own sex or gender, which in most humans is aligned with their biological sex, but in some people is misaligned. Some people, for instance, might be biologically male but have a female brain. The problem with this theory is there's no evidence to back it up. Now, this theory is an important theory in in terms of if, if the conversation is to justify somebody transitioning their gender, they base a lot of that on this theory. Essentially, this theory says that there is such thing as a woman's brain and a man's brain and a woman's body and a man's body, and it's possible that you would have a a, a biologically man's body but a woman's brain. Here's the danger of giving too much credence to brain theories. In the 1900s, scientists theorized that black people's brains displayed an underdeveloped artistic power and an instability of character incident to lack of self-control, especially in connection with the sexual relation. That has obviously been proved to be racist, prejudicial, and not true. But it came out of brain theory. Or did you know that in the 1800s, scientists argue that since the average brain weight of women's brain is about five ounces less than that of men, This is literally to quote, was in articles. We should be prepared to expect a marked inferiority of intellectual power in a woman's brain. Clearly, that's sexism. That's misogynistic. That that isn't true at all. And so we need to be careful. We need to be careful trusting too much of these theories. And the reality is the evidence has not proven that, that there is a specifically woman's brain or specifically a men's brain. In other words, God gave you and I the bodies that he did. He intended that for us. In response to the brain sex theory, Dr. Preston Sprinkle, who we looked at a lot last week, he says this, it does seem fairly clear that our brains do not come sexed as the body is. It's not like there is a male brain over here than a female brain over here. It does seem to be the case that males and females have general differences in their brain structures, the way our brains interact, but these differences are not absolute. I think it's just simply scientifically inaccurate and almost dangerous to say that a biological female could, for instance, have a male brain. I think it's very accurate to say a biological female could have male typical interests, could act more masculine, but that's totally fine. In other words, what he's saying is, it's like, let's, let's, say, let's say in generalities, women are more emotional. If you meet a man who tends to be more emotional, does that mean he's a woman? Does that mean he has a woman's brain? No, it just means that that man is, it tends to be a little bit more emotional. There was a study done of 5,216 uh, brains related to sex differences. And this totally secular researcher and analyst, Stuart Ritchie, he says this. Overall, for every brain region that showed even large sex differences, there was always overlap between males and females, confirming that the human brain cannot, at least for the measures observed here, be described as sexually dimorphic or sexually different. What I'm trying to drive home here is that no research shows that there's such thing as a sexed brain. In other words, how we determine whether we're male or female is based on the biology that God has given us, based on the way that God has created us. John Brooks, and, uh, a researcher and a, and a news publicist said this, the phenomenon of transgender children growing out of their transgender identity by the time they are adolescents or adults is called desistence by gender researchers. For decades, follow-up studies of transgender kids have shown that a substantial majority, anywhere from 65 to 94%, eventually cease to identify as transgender. So this research and much more is cautioning people on making life altering decisions, using hormone suppressants or using uh, sexual reassignment surgery when so much data is showing that that's not the wise way to handle this. Experts on both sides, Dr. Sprinkle says, experts on both sides, which don't you just love that his name is Dr. Sprinkle? Like That's just cool, right? Dr. Sprinkle. Experts on both sides of the pubertal suppression debate agree that within this context, 80 to 95% of children with gender dysphoria accepted their biological sex by late adolescence. Again, gender dysphoria is real. There are people who really feel, maybe even people in this room, who really don't feel like their brains match their bodies. We're not arguing whether that's real or not. It's absolutely real. And we need to show incredible amounts of compassion and love and walk alongside people just like we do for all of us as we're dealing with all kinds of things. But treating, treating a psychological condition in a biological way is dangerous. Listen to Lily. This is a transgender woman from a totally secular article. Totally secular article. It's not a Christian speaking, but I want you to hear these words. This is her own story. Transitioning is also not a cure. I needed gender-affirming surgery. This is her speaking. I needed gender-affirming surgery to alleviate gender dysphoria and feel as comfortable in my body as possible. But there is no cure for gender dysphoria. You can only treat the symptoms and our ability to treat the symptoms is limited. I still, this is a woman who has transitioned. She says, I still experience dysphoria even though my physical results have turned out well. When I'm stressed out, my dysphoria worsens, making it harder to deal with whatever was stressing me out in the first place. In February of 2013, a month into my transition, I admitted myself to a psychiatric ward because I was afraid I was going to hurt myself. Again, this is not a Christian. This is just somebody speaking and sharing their story. But, but, but notice how even transitioning didn't fix the problem, that there was still gender dysphoria well, maybe you've wondered about intersex. People who are born with both sexual organs or neither sexual organs, how, how does an intersex person fit into the conversation? It's been estimated by medical professionals that close to 99% of all people with an intersex condition are still clearly male or female. So sometimes the intersex argument will get brought up. And number one, we need to acknowledge. These are real people. We don't just wanna use them as statistics and numbers. These are real people, maybe even some of us in this room. But the reality is 99% of the people who are intersex still are clearly male or female. And then I love what Sean McDowell says, intersex is a biological condition, and transgender is a psychological condition and should be treated as such. Some of you have asked the question, what do we do about pronouns? So let's say somebody transitions in your life, somebody you know, what do you do about pronouns? I wanna share with you, this is my favorite answer to that question. This is personal. This is me just sharing. This is my favorite way to answer it. It feels consistent with scripture. But again, this is my favorite way to answer and I'm borrowing from Preston Sprinkle who says this. Use pronoun hospitality. It's the idea that you call someone by the name and pronoun they prefer, not because you affirm their choosing to transition genders, but because you want to meet them where they are. Build a relationship and eventually earn the opportunity to share with them that you believe God's desire is for them to live at peace with the sexual gender they were given by God at birth. Now, as we wrap up and begin to hear some of our stories, I want to close with three important Bible passages. The first one is this. Genesis 127 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You have been created by God. You're not an accident but it gets even more personal. Colossians 1:15 to 16 says, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. You were created by a personal God and his name is Jesus. Jesus knows what you're going through. Jesus knows the challenges you're facing. You're not alone. You have a personal God that you can cry out to. And I love this reminder, and I read this last week, but I'm gonna say it again. Jesus said in Matthew 10, are not two sparrows sold for one penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. If you experience same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria, I imagine coming into spaces like this, coming into even a church and hearing messages like this, that you could be feeling all kinds of things. And I just wanna remind you of something that's so important and so true. God created you. Jesus personally knows you and loves you. And he knows every single hair on your head and you are so valuable to him. And I said this last week but every single student belongs here at HSM. Maybe a lot of what I talked about last week and this week frustrates you and you don't agree with it. It sounds different than what you're hearing in your culture. I understand that. And I want to tell you, we're not going anywhere. We don't want to kick any of you out. We, we don't want any of you to feel like you don't belong here. We can wrestle and have these conversations in our life groups and you can meet with me and we can talk, but I want to make it crystal clear that every single one of you belong here. And every single one of you are loved deeply by God. Now, what I'm really excited for tonight is to hear from some personal stories. Because maybe you're going, okay, Eric, I heard you last week, heard you this week, but you're a married man, you're married to a woman, what do you know about any of this stuff? And my hope is I was able to share scripture and some of my own experiences being in relationships with people in the LGBTQIA community. But I'm really excited tonight for you to hear from people within our Purpose Church family who have wrestled with this in a very personal way. And their story doesn't dictate, doesn't, it's, it's not the story of everyone who's had these experiences. This is just their story. And so I'm really excited for you to hear. And so let's continue to show respect and let's continue to have an open heart to what God wants to say to us. Could you guys welcome up our very first testimony, our very first storyteller tonight is Aaron. Can you guys welcome up Aaron? If, uh, if, if you don't know Aaron, uh, he's either at 10 or 1130 service. He's the one in the front row with both hands up worshiping Jesus all the time. This guy loves Jesus, and I'm so excited for you to be here, Aaron, and thank you for sharing your story. One more time, can you guys give a huge round of applause to Aaron? Thank you.
2: Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before you in the name of Jesus. God, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for who I am today. Um, I was in some really, really dark places at one time in my life, And I thank you, Jesus, for leaving the 99 and coming and getting me, putting me over your shoulders and carrying me. Thank you that who I am today is because of you, Jesus. Nothing good is in me, nothing, Jesus, but you. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus Christ, and thank you, Holy Spirit. My prayer tonight is that these students will be open-minded to just hear what, what our stories are tonight and um and to just trust in you and to know that you will never leave us you will never forsake us in Jesus beautiful mighty name amen okay so my name's Aaron um I come from a family of seven um my parents uh had five kids and then they waited four years and then they had my brother and they had me I'm the youngest um I had a really good childhood. I, uh, there was no sexual abuse or no physical abuse, um, not with me. I saw it with my older brothers, and, and it terrified me. I, uh, I used to see my dad, take them in the room, and, and belt them for whatever it was that they were doing. And, and my mom never said nothing. She um, would let him do what he was going to do. And, and I said, one day, that's going to be me and i was i was terrified um, i was um i thought i was a, a normal kid i i um i um like playing with the race cars i um i like playing football, basketball you know things that kids do um i i never played with with dolls i never played with uh, i never wanted to dress up in girl clothes um Around 10 years of age, my oldest sister was graduating high school. And at that time, I knew that I had sex, same attraction. I did not know what was going on with me. The only question I had um, that I wish that somebody could have answered for me was, if I had the private part that I had, why was this up here telling me differently? Um, I. I I was terrified to tell my parents. I was terrified to 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 talk about it. Um I started 7th grade and that's when bullying started for me. I I um I um I didn't know what was going on with me. I didn't even know the word for it. But 8th graders pointed out that I was gay. And they just beat me up, you know, and I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't, I didn't know who to go to. Um, I had an older brother, though. He was an eighth grader, too. So once he found out about it, it never happened again. Thank you, Jesus, for older brothers. Um, so after eighth grade, I graduated, and um, I had low self esteem, um, low self worth. Um, I felt different, and I didn't understand why. Um, I didn't love myself. I, I, um, I just wished that I can be somebody else. And um, the summer before ninth grade, I started smoking pot, and that kind of like buried everything. That buried everything for me. I was like, okay, now I don't have to think about who I am, or, or, and, and it wasn't that I was sexual, sexually active because I wasn't i didn't even know what that was um, so i um I started ninth grade and and because i had been i started smoking pot, I had no interest in school, no interest in school uh I would go to class one day, the next day I would skip classes i just i I just was doing all kinds of things that i shouldn't have been doing um if somebody wanted to ditch or go to a ditching party or go to the mall or, or take the bus all the way to the beach, I was let's go. I, I'm up for it. Let's do this. Um, I don't know what my dad was. A, a, a my dad went to work, and he was the one that went to work, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She was home all the time. So I know with all my heart that my mom knew. I know that she knew moms no, and at 16 she asked me she said are you gay I was terrified I I I was terrified to say yes and I wish that at that time she would have just taken me in her arms and hugged me and said she loved me and no matter what she was there for me but I didn't get that I didn't get that from my mom or I didn't get that from my dad so I continued in school which I didn't do very well and um and then at age 17, I, I decided to back a, pack a backpack and leave. I was like, okay, well, I'm not happy here at home. I didn't leave a note. I didn't leave. I didn't say goodbye. I just left. And I ended up in West Hollywood, a, a gay community, a gay city, um, homeless, no money. Um, and I started prostituting myself for money. Um, at 17 and a half, I was arrested for the first time for solicitation, and I was at the West Hollywood police station. And I never even thought, oh, my God, I'm a minor. I can get so in trouble for this. I, I never even thought about that. But he was like, we have to notify your parents for because you're a minor. And I remember just sitting in that chair saying, oh, my God. And, and I gave him the number. And my mom answered. I was hoping she would answer. And he told her that they had me there. I was arrested for solicitation. And um, I was a minor. And all I wanted was for her her not to tell my dad. And I just said, please tell her not to tell my dad. And he told her. Um, So I continued living that lifestyle for five years. It wasn't always easy. There was many nights that I didn't have nowhere to sleep, um, nowhere to take a shower, no money to buy food. I mean, things weren't always great to where I I could always make money. Um, Many times I would, back then they had pay phones that you put money in and you call home. I would call my mom and I would just tell her how badly I wanted to come home, but I never did. I believe with all my heart that that night that that police officer called her and told her what I was doing, I believe that she started praying for me. Because growing up, we, I learned about Jesus, I knew about God, but I always wondered why I was the way that I was if, if God loved me and God um, made me. Why was I the way that I was? I was? So I I I just um I thought that living in a in a SSA community would would make me happy, but I just wasn't happy. Um about five years later I ended up meeting him and I got in an SSA relationship. Um we were both so broken, broken. I was broken, he was broken, and it it was just uh one day at a time trying to trying to get through it um a couple years before I I I started using harder drugs than weed so that kind of just completely numbed me of what was going on with me what I was doing out there you know um what my life had become and um so I'm in this relationship and um and it's just like I was like, God, if you're real, I, I, I want a relationship with you. But is it possible? Is it possible to be in a same-sex relationship and serve a holy and righteous and just God? I wondered, can I do this? And I tried. I really tried. I tried, but I was unsuccessful. Um, the Holy Spirit really started to work on my heart. And um, a distance grew between us. Sex had completely stopped. And, um, and I, I, I prayed, and I said, God, if this relationship is not pleasing to you, if it's something that you don't approve of, intervene on my behalf. Show yourself strong on my behalf. And he did. He really did. My partner came to me and said, well, maybe it's time if we go our separate ways. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, so I was, uh, I was by myself for about five years after that didn't didn't engage in any same sex relationships or any encounters whatsoever I threw myself into my job i i um I kept my family at a distance because i i just you know i was i was never open with them the whole time I was in this relationship with this guy I told him that he was my roommate. And it was just all a lie, a complete lie. I was never honest with them. I was never honest with myself. I was never honest with God of what was going on until I started praying and say, God, I, I need help. Um, so then um, after 12 years of being clean with no drugs in my system, I was like, well, weed's not a problem for me. I could start smoking some weed, and it's not going to be a big deal. It was a big deal. That led to alcohol. The alcohol led to the stronger stuff. and. And I ended up going on a two year run. In those two years, I engaged in same sex relationships once again. Um, God's word says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I wasn't talking to anybody about what was going on with me. So I ended up um, driving a stolen vehicle and I ended up um, doing a little time in prison for the stolen vehicle. And it was just all part of God's plan all part of God's plan to get me where I needed to be. I was introduced to salary recovery inside in prison. I, was, I joined a step study and in that step study, um, I was able to talk about what I was most embarrassed about. And I thought it was always drugs, but the fact that I prostituted myself as a teenager, um, the fact that I, I lived an SSA life and I, I never really told my family about it or told people about it, it was always a lie and a secret. And the drugs and the rejection, the love that I didn't get growing up and, and and it's like I remember that day god God just like lifted a big burden off my back, like, "Okay, Aaron, I can work with you now, uh, you're finally talking to somebody, you're finally asking people to pray for you, and, and it was just life changing for me. so I ended up getting out, and I had made a promise to God when I was inside that, uh, that I would uh, go to rehab because I had a drug addiction. And I didn't want to go back there. And about a month before I got out, my sister came to see me. And she was like, Aaron, what are you going to do about rehab? And I was like, oh, I don't need it. I've been in here almost two years. I'll just get a job and I'll go out. And she goes, do you really want to go back to where you were? And it it took like a whole 24 hours to kick in into my brain. And God really started to work on my heart. I said, okay, God, I'm going to go into rehab. It was the best decision I made for myself. In rehab, I was able to learn about early relapse, relapse prevention, life skills, thinking for change, all this stuff that I needed. After the six months in rehab, when I was in rehab, there was all kinds of 12-step programs that I, that I just absorbed, all of them. When um, I got out of rehab, I went into a sober living for six months. And, um, and then... Uh, and then I started coming here in 17. I uh, I remember the first service I came to was at 1110. This was in 17. It was 1110 at that time. I don't remember who was preaching. I don't remember what was said. But at the end of the service, they said, there's a prayer room over there if you need prayer. And I went in there, and, and there was a pastor by the name of Pastor Randy. And he, um, he said, can I help you? And I was like, I just got out of I was in prison. I got out of rehab. I, um, I'm at a sober living and he, and he just stopped me and he just hugged me, hugged me. And I needed that hug right there at that time. And it was like, it was like, wow. And, um, and then I, 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 I started serving with young adults. I took Rooted. I, um, I joined a life group. It became a life group after Rooted. And, um, and then i started cr because at that time i was taking a step study over at izzy's this place called izzy's in 17 and when it ended i started coming to cr here and then i joined the landing and god has just uh god has just uh transformed my life i today i'm free from same sex attraction um the thoughts come they do and i give them to god um God has restored my life in in ways that that are just incredible. I love myself today. I'm comfortable in my own skin. Um, I'm thankful for my family. Um, I'm thankful that um, that today. Um, I'm a child I know that I'm a child of God who the sun sets free is free indeed where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom Jeremiah 29, 11 says for I know the plans I have for you declares the lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future I'm so thankful that God sent his son to get me because I was in a dark place and I needed rescuing and he came to rescue me thank you for letting me share my story <laughs>
1: Aaron, you're amazing. You're amazing. Thank you so much. So powerful. Bethany, come on up here. Let me see that Aaron, Um, this is this is one of the first times Aaron has shared that part of his story with a group like this, and that takes incredible amount of courage. And the same is true for Bethany. This is one of the first times uh, Bethany grew up here in HSM. Was a part of our ministry. Was a high school student in our ministry, um, and. Uh, Perfect. Um, And, uh, anyways, I'm really, really excited for you guys to hear Bethany's story. So, can you guys give a huge round of applause to Bethany?
3: Hello, hello. Can you hear me, guys? Or is it too low? It's good. Okay. Uh, I'm so nervous. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Um, Oh, hi. I'm gonna read because I don't have a good memory like him. I, um, I messed up my memory in high school, I smoked too much, so, <laughs> but I'm, so I'm just going to read off right now. Okay. Hi guys, I'm Bethany. Um, I'm going to do a quick prayer because I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> um, <okay>. Hi God, <laughs> can you please help me um, with my nerves, help me not have anxiety. Please just speak through, sp- speak through me and my testimony and help whoever needs to hear it, amen. In high school and middle school, in high school and middle school, I came out as bisexual. I like girls and boys, and at the time, I thought I was born like that. But now I see that my past led me that way. If you guys feel how I used to listen to this, if um, you guys don't feel like I do at all, just listen to it, because there's more to my story than you guys think. Um, and if you guys are mad that I'm doing this, listen to because three years ago I was sitting in the back over there, that's like the Latino corner, huh? <laughs> Seriously, all the Latino kids are always right there. <laughs> but yeah, I was the only Latina girl back there and I remember. So, um, but yeah, I was three years ago I came and I was always pissed off and I sat back there. Uh, okay. All right, I grew up in Santa Ana with a single mother, along with my older brother and sister. From a very young age, about five or six, super young, I was, um, I was already experimenting sexually. Um, I would be with kids in my neighborhood my age, and honestly, I would be with cousins my age. And most of the time, it was other girls. I, w- I also want to point out, at this time, I was already very depressed, and I had a lot of anxiety. I usually felt unsafe and uncomfortable with boys, and girls with girls it was the complete, it was the complete opposite. A- around this time, I also started watching porn. i don 't remember how I knew about it or if someone showed me it, but I first looked it up on my mom 's phone. I remember thinking it was so intriguing, and I quickly became addicted to it. I always sought out some type of porn when I was little it was If it was a sex scene in a movie or a bad music video, most of my life I have dealt with um, lust toward women. If you don't know what lust is, it's a strong sexual desire. Um, Porn made my already perverted mindset even worse. That was two secrets that I had as a kid and I never understood why. Let's fast forward a little to my first time going to a Christian church. I was eight and honestly, I didn't really understand anything. I felt out of place, and, but I was just happy to be there. At around this time, my mom got married to my quickly, my mom got married um, three weeks after meeting my stepdad. And it was, I was about nine. I knew nothing about him, but I was, I was pretty happy about it, honestly. Um, but it quickly got bad. He was a drug addict and a drunk. They had a horrible relationship. He was mentally abusive to my mom, and the abuse transferred through me and my siblings. I hated him. I felt like he took away my mom. I felt powerless, and I had no control of this torment. I hated my home life at this time. I wasn't close to my real dad either. I saw him a few times a year, but he was mostly doing his own thing. I liked my dad, but I liked my dad. He was never mean to me. I don't have any bad memories of him, but just because he was... He was never there, so I never had a relationship with him. He went to prison when I was 10 years old, and he's, he's still there today. Um, talking about bad relationships with the guys, I also hated my brother. He made fun of me every day. He often made me feel insecure and unloved. We'd fight physically and always got into arguments. Boys and men always made me feel insecure, uncomfortable, and unsafe. I was always attracted to them, but I always felt uneasy around them. At 10 years old, we moved from Santa Ana to Fullerton. I was in fifth grade now. Everything was still the same though. My mom was still with Juan. My brother was still bullying me and I was still experimenting sexually. The thing that changed was we started going to a new Christian church and I actually liked it. Um, I started learning about Jesus and God, but I remember being very skeptical. I tried to trip up the teachers with hard questions but then something started changing in me. I was dealing with so much heavy depression from my home life and God started giving me joy. I started loving church and my church family. People people at the church showed me a love that I never knew before. It was definitely from God. Church became my one safe space. I was still depressed at home, but he gave me inner peace to get through it. I would cry out my pain at church and others would pray for me. And I love that because I never got that as a kid. I ended up getting baptized at age 11. I would always pray at home. I invited others to church. And God became very important to me. But honestly, guys, I kept watching porn, and I was still sexually active. Um, I didn't truly understand how wrong it was because I was so young. I'm telling you guys, imagine a little kid doing that stuff. I didn't understand how wrong it was, and I never read the passages in the Bible talking about it. My life was still chaos, but God was working in my heart. It was now the start of middle school, and I had befriended a girl named Juliana. I decided to come out as bisexual to her, and she accepted me at first, but right when I moved school, she texted me that it was disgusting that I was bisexual and that she she didn't accept it. And I remember feeling super rejected and embarrassed and, um, and I remember going back as straight, <laughs> straight. Um, I know how it feels to be rejected because that was messed up. She's straight up, that was a horrible way to tell someone. So I know how it feels if any of you guys are feeling rejected by it. Looking back, this was one of my first codependent friendships. I wanted to change so bad for her, but since we moved, I never saw her again. We moved from Fullerton to Pomona in the middle of seventh grade, but I was mad at my family. I had to leave my one safe space. Um, I ended up losing my relationship with God after that. My mom separated from Juan at this time, but I knew that he would be back. I felt partly free, but I knew it wouldn't last. They had an off and on relationship. And my mom always told us that she'd divorce him, but after a fight, she'd always let him back in the house. Um, That created a mental war in my head that tormented me for a long time. I reflected their toxicness and codependency onto my friendships and relationships. In eighth grade, my stepdad was back, of course, and we started going to a new church. But it wasn't the same for me. I didn't like the people and I didn't open up. So I continued not to pursue God. I came out as bi again to new friends in eighth grade. And they were so accepting. I was so relieved and happy. I also got into a closer friendship that was also codependent. We fought fought and started huge fights over small things. Then we quickly go back to being cool. Does that sound familiar? I was reflecting my mom and stepdad's relationship. That's all I knew. I just knew toxicness. It was now freshman year of high school, and I decided I didn't want to be depressed anymore. I was sick of being happy for short periods of time, but staying super depressed. I was not talking to God at this time, either. So I tried to fix this problem just the best way I knew how. And it was to just create a whole new me, you know? Um, I wanted the old out. And in high school, I wasn't experimenting sexually anymore and I try to block out those old memories because they made me feel dirty and ashamed. So I strive for good grades, and I got new clothes, and and I also didn't identify as bi anymore. Um, I wanted to be the most normal that I could be. I did get good grades, and my stepdad left for good this time, but I was still messed up. I dealt with PTSD for two years after he left. Any noise in the house triggered me of their huge fights. And the cops would come over a lot, and (sighs) the cops would come over a lot every single month, and that triggered me all the time. In 10th grade, I even ended up going on medication for depression and anxiety, but it didn't work. It made me more depressed. And it made me, I had suicidal thoughts after. I still struggle with horrible shame from childhood. And I remember one specific act that I did with the boy when I was. I remember the age, but I was super young. It stood out the most for me. It gave me the most trauma. Um, That was always a big turn off for boys with me because I had that horrible memory. I I I, I felt like I always needed to hide my past and my porn addiction. I ended up, I even ended up going to the hospital one time because I was gonna kill myself. I remember looking in the mirror and I looked so dead and lifeless. I remember my my eyes were so black and there was just I was so down to myself. I hated myself. I I couldn't stand my past. I didn't understand it, you know. Um but thank God I didn't because I wouldn't know the good plan that God had for me. I ended up meeting a girl in tenth grade and who would later be my best friend. At first she was actually a bully to me though, toxic. <laughs> um but she ended up being my best friend. And at first she first introduced me to weed, and um, of course I ended up loving it. Who doesn't love weed, right? <laughs> but it wasn't good. <laughs> she loved the LGBT community, and I fully came out as bi all the time. I loved her because she accepted my past, and she never judged me on it. I needed she was the first person I ever told of the worst thing I ever did, and she accepted me. That's why I loved her so much. I needed that acceptance from someone, and she gave it to me. I also loved the weed she provided because it helped with my depression. Mm. But it wouldn't last forever, you know? I, I smoked, I remember, every single Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the rest of the week, I'd be so depressed. Um. Soon, all I cared about was weed, my best friend, and my sexuality. All these three, thi- these three things became who I was. And I didn't believe in God anymore either. I would call myself an atheist. But even though I love my best friend so much, we were so toxic towards each other. I was always jealous and treated her horribly at times. I was always used to toxicness. She would try to control me and I wanted to leave. I f- but I felt like I couldn't and I resented her for it. Near this time, <coughs> I didn't bring my water up here. I'm like joking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, damn, where was I? Oh, yeah. Near this time, I also dated a transgender girl. They were born a girl, but they identify as a boy. As you can guess, it was a bad relationship. They treated me like crap and man- manipulated me. I let myself get pushed, o- pushed over by, by them because they were very masculine, and I had a big fear of guys. Um, the relationship didn't last long though. At 15 at fifteen or 16, I don't remember, I started going to Purpose HSM. I started, I was so far away from God, but I still decided to go every week. I first started going because of a cute guy, but of course, I didn't talk to him because I was scared of guys. <laughs> um, but honestly, I hated HSM guys. <laughs> I'm gonna be so honest, I hated it so much. Um, now I see there's more Latinos, but I was the only Latina girl, guys. <laughs> literally, I remember there's two, imagine this whole room. i I I love white people, you know I do, I do, they're cool. I do <laughs> But I'm being honest, okay? <laughs> being honest. There was like th- literally, I it was I was the only Latina girl, it was like it was like three years ago, I was the only Latina girl, and there's two other Latina boys, Latino boys, and all white people. I, I love white people though. They're cool, you know. <laughs> but that was it. So of course I'm feeling out of place, you know. Um, and but, but, but wait, okay. <laughs> and I met my high school leader and she ended up being Becca Evans and she's, I'm telling you, the whitest girl I've ever seen. She's back there. <laughs> she, she's... <laughs> But she's so cool, guys. But I'm telling you, she had blonde hair. She had super white skin and blue eyes, you know. But she was so cool, guys. I remember she told me about her past, and it made me not feel so alone. She never judged me on my past. I loved her. Um, (laughs) But let me see. And, And I got along with her great. I made another friend. I made one other friend, I remember. I only had two friends here, guys. Like, legit. I was such a loner, <laughs> but it's OK. Um, but yeah, the, the atmosphere here slowly started changing me. But honestly, I was still lusting over girls. I was still watching porn, and I was still smoking weed, and I was still drinking. Um, but I remember I started listening to gospel songs while getting high. And my best friend would be like, what the hell are you guys putting? What are you putting? And I'm like, I'm worshiping. <laughs> Dude, I was so high, guys. <laughs> it was really funny. But, um, but yeah, so I slowly, I was changing, surely, but slowly, you know? Um, let me see. I remember I even went to crisis night on sexuality. Literally, I was here three years ago. I was sitting in the back by myself. Um, and I had respect for the speakers, but I remember I left mad after the group. Um, but I don't want to blame the people too much because there are other students that probably didn't go through it, you know? So I felt very long in the group, and I just want to, just when you're in the group, be mindful because you don't know who's going, through, who's going through this, you know? So that's why I left very angry. Um, but I, I remember I left, like, I left convicted. I left like I was wrong, and it really confused me because I never prayed, I never really knew that me liking girls was wrong. I grew up with, my, all my uncles are gay, by the way, for real. And so I never really, underst- I never really knew it was wrong, but I left, I left um, feeling like I was wrong, and that confused me. So I was torn because I had fallen in love with my girl best friend. We were gonna have a big wedding. It was gonna be a weed wedding. I don't know if you guys know about that. Every, all the guests were gonna smoke weed. It was, <laughs> and it was, we, I really fell in love with her guys. And we even talked about adopting kids. You know, who's gonna get pregnant? It was, who's gonna be pregnant a big thing. But I was at my breaking point. My depression wasn't going away. My grades in school, I was failing everything. I was ditching all the time. And we never lasted and my sexuality wasn't making me happy anymore. I felt rejected by my mom because she didn't accept my sexuality. But I want to make it clear, she loved me, she always told me she loved me, but because my sexuality became who I was, I felt like she was saying, no, I don't like you. But she always assured me, you know, so I always, I had it, I had it twisted. Um, So I always felt rejected by my mom, so that made me more depressed. yeah, she said she couldn't accept it because of God's word. So I felt like everything was falling apart. A few days after my 17th birthday, I, I actually ended up ending the, friendship, the relationship with my best friend. It was just not enough for me anymore. We were, two pre- we were two broken people making each other worse and worse. And after that, I remember I went to HSM Winter Camp. And honestly, the first days were horrible, guys. Horrible experiences, I'm telling you. And um, There was so much sleet on the first day. You guys know what sleet is? It's horrible. It was the worst. Becca remembers it was awful. But the second and the second day sucked too. Oh my God, I was just crying the whole day and had so much anxiety, and it was awful. But the third day was really cool. <laughs> so the last day was really cool, um, and I was so surprised that I could have a fun time without weed. I was laughing with other people, and I was I was so shook. Um, I remember I came back to Jesus at that camp. I fully came back to Jesus. And when I got home, the depression, I'm telling you, I had depression since I was since as long as I can remember. Literally, earliest memory is five years old. And when I got home from HSM, I was delivered. I had no more depression at all. It was completely gone. That's so sick, right? <laughs> um damn, guys, I'm going so over the time. Okay, I'm almost done. Okay, I'm almost done. Sorry, sorry. Um, but yeah, I was completely gone, and my same-sex attraction was gone. I, I didn't pray for it to go away. I just came back to God, and that's what God wants, that's what God wants us to do, you know? Um, I didn't like girls like that anymore. My suicidal thoughts were gone, and later on, he healed me from all the shame and my guilt from my childhood. And I want to put a big emphasis on that, because that was so freaking hard. I felt like dying every day because of all, the, of all the things I didn't understand in my past, you know? The shame, like, it like crippled me in high school, you know? I, it was horrible, but he healed me from that. I have no guilt and shame, and he helped me forgive myself. I know Jesus has to be real because I'm not who I used to be. But honestly, guys, I still struggle <laughs> every day. He says we're gonna struggle still. We're still gonna go to try, through trials and tribulation. I still struggle with lust and porn, honestly but God's helping me take it one day at a time. One last thing I want to share in my life is that I never understood why I had so much lust as a kid. Then about half a year ago, I remember a very short flashback of me and I was getting sexually abused. I was abused by my babysitter's brother. Yeah, my babysitter's brother and I was very young. I just wanted to include this at the end because I barely remembered it half a year ago. And it connects everything because why was I like that as a kid, you know? And um, some of you guys have the same childhood as me and don't understand it, but just face it, guys, you know? With God, you can face anything. It's freaking hard, but it's going to be okay, you know? Um, Bad things will happen in our lives, guys. They just will. We will go through trials and tribulations. But God says in his word that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He can heal you, and he will give you strength and peace. I'm still healing every day from my childhood, and, but he is giving, he's giving me strength to go through it. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you guys to remember that things of this world will never fill you. Weed never filled me. Porn never filled me. Drinking never filled me. No relationships ever filled me. Only God filled me. Um, I want to end this with the scripture. I will look for those that are lost, bring back those that wander off, bandage those that are sick. No, bandage those that are hurt and heal those that are sick. Thank you for letting me share.
1: Thank you so much Bethany. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you so What we're going to do now is we want to get into a time of Q&A, so please text any questions you have. Again, we're not experts. We're just going to answer to the best we can according to the scriptures. Um, But before we jump into Q&A, we have one more guest up here who's going to be joining us, Erica, one of our life group leaders here. And I wanted to give her uh, just a few minutes real quick to explain why she's up here uh, and why she's going to be answering questions. And then we're going to get into your questions.
0: Hi, everyone. Um, if you don't know, I am Erica. I am a junior girls life group leader. Um, I, so I want to start this off with saying this is not my story. Um, I am up here to share my family's story, specifically the story of my sibling. So I also want to say I am sharing everything with consent of this sibling. I think that's really important to put out there. Um, I am not just up here like sharing everything and they have no idea Um, so I um, grew up with a brother and a sister and and I have a paper with all the dates and um, in 2013 my sister came out as bi Um, from that point I was in I think that was my senior year of high school? Yes, that was my senior year of high school. Um, and I was kind of just like, okay, whatever, like, you're bi. That, it is what it is. Um, and then fast forward, oh wait, no, 2013 was my freshman year. 2017 was my senior year, and that was when um, she came out as trans. Um, so, She is now legally, to the state of California, male. Um, So from this point on, you'll be hearing me use they, them pronouns or he, him. Um, The they, them pronouns are approved by them. Um, I've had many, many conversations (laughs) over the past several years um, regarding this topic Um, and where we stand Um, in our sibling relationship, where we stand as a family. Um, And so once again, this is all with consent of my sibling. Um, If they're, they go by Emmett now. So if you hear me say Emmett, that's who I'm talking about. Um, And we have a very good relationship. I was talking to him today. Um, And we actually are planning on going out to, his wedding in Texas this summer. Um, Both myself and my parents were heading out there. Um, But all that to say, um, it has been our family's journey, uh, but more specifically, it's been Emmett's journey. And Emmett knows I'm up here. Emmett knows what I'm saying. Um, And if anything that I say you want to ask questions about after, feel free to come to me.
4: Thank you so much, Erica. All right, you guys. Well, um, right now, if everyone wants to take out their phone, right now, and the phone number is up there, everyone text in a question. We already have a ton in, and we're going to try to get through as many as we as we can in, in the rest of our time. So I'm going to throw this first question to Erica, and and this question is, how can I support a family member who is experiencing gender dysphoria when I myself struggle with how they are feeling?
0: I think that's a great question. Um, This is something that my family has had a lot of conversations on. Um, We grew up in the church. We grew up with this mindset of... um, what the Bible, so <laughs> what the Bible says goes, um, and we didn't really have to put that into practice until um, Emmett came out. And so, it it's one thing to say this is what I believe, and not have to ever worry about somebody in your life experiencing that, experiencing gender dysphoria, mm-hmm. um, and it's another to have that and have to face where that goes. So with that, um, I want to say it's not about you. Um, It is about Jesus through and through. And what would Jesus do? And Jesus is going to love them. Jesus is going to um, be with them. And it is up to you to um, sorry, I saw my mom. It's up to you to stand by them through it all because frankly in five years say that person says okay I no longer struggle with this are they going to look back and see that you were angry and cut them off or are they going to see that you were giving them love through the entire time.
4: That's so good thank you friend and you you and your mom live that out so well so thank you thank you. Um, we have a couple of more questions related to gender dysphoria, and I want to start with Pastor Eric and then maybe give it back to you, Erica. This, these questions are, how does one overcome gender dysphoria? Is it considered a mental health disorder like depression and anxiety? How does one cope?
1: Whoa, okay. Um, again, here's, I just got to say this. One of the things I love about HSM is we are a community that is not afraid to talk about anything. And we're going to keep everything uh, centered around Jesus. We're going to keep everything centered around the Bible. But this should be, and I'll commit to this being the safest place to ask any question. And so I thank you so much for for asking that question. Um, I think that, again, some of the research shows that Uh, people, especially adolescent young people who experience gender dysphoria, that they eventually get to a place uh, post their frontal lobes developing, post-puberty into adulthood, where they begin to settle back into their um, God-given gender. Uh, But I think there are some people who live with gender dysphoria for their entire life. And I think, uh, and again, I want to humbly say this as a pastor, as somebody who's tried to research this, who's read a lot on this, but I am not a therapist, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a a gender and sex expert, so I'm just sharing with you as a pastor. Um, I think that gender dysphoria is a psychological condition. And I think it can be dangerous to treat that psychological condition in a biological way. I think it should be treated psychologically. And so uh, I think if you're, if you're in this room and you're experiencing gender dysphoria, first thing I want you to know is we love you. Mm-hmm. And we're committed to walking with you. Mm-hmm. And we're not gonna judge you or get angry at you or, or force you to do anything. We're just gonna love you, meet you where you're at. But I think my, my advice would be to uh, seek Christian therapy, to open up and share with people, um, and, and, and to recognize that, um, and we talked about this yesterday or last Wednesday, that we all have to make a decision, what is our primary identity? And God desires that our primary identity would be image bearers made by him and that we are his children. And then we choose to trust him. And there's, uh, and, but I also want to be honest, I have no idea what it's like to experience gender dysphoria. I have no idea what it's like to be attracted to the same sex. And so I can't imagine how difficult or challenging or lonely or difficult that would be. But I do know that we are the body of Christ, and we would love to come alongside you and support you and care for you um, as you choose to follow Jesus. I think the best path forward, according to what I how I read the scriptures, is for you to live at peace, to figure out through therapy, through the support of friends, how to live at peace with the gender that God has given you. I don't believe he made a mistake in that. Um, But I do believe that we as Christians, I love what Erica said, it is our job to lead with compassion, to lead with love, to lead with grace, and to earn opportunities to share truth, Um, and and Jesus seemed to do that really well, that there were lots of people who totally disagreed with him that were around him, and he did not uh, hold back telling the truth, and he did not hold back extending grace. He did both of those, uh, not 50-50, he did both of those 100%, and that's what we as Christians are trying to figure out how to do.
4: That's so good. Thank you, Pastor Eric. Erica, is there anything that you wanted to add? The question is, how does one cope with gender dysphoria?
0: I think the main thing to look at is um, where you stand with your relationship with Christ, because the answer will vary differently on people's, like, how people will say how to cope with it is going to be very different based on how firm you are in your beliefs. Yeah. Um, like Eric said, therapy. <laughs> therapy is the best. And it's, it's not a bad thing to go to therapy. It, it genuinely helps you to talk things out. I know Emmett went to therapy for many years. Emmett's still in
4: therapy. Um,
0: and that's honestly one of the healthiest things that you can do.
4: That's so good. Thank you, Erica. And we um, have a, a therapist that we have recommended. I think all of you know Tanel. She's been here. And so if you want more information about that, um, talk to one of us pastors. As leaders, we would love to get you that information. All right. I'd love to give this next question to um, Aaron and Bethany. And if you both want to share, this question is, will, someone, will God always take away someone's same-sex attraction as they choose to follow him?
2: Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, um, for me, it it took a long time, a long time. But I wasn't in small groups. I wasn't uh, talking about it. I wasn't praying about it. I wasn't asking accountability partners or sponsors to pray with me on the topic. And, and when when I started asking for help and I started asking people to pray for me, in regards to that situation, it, it really helped me. And when I stopped, like, lying to myself, I always lied and said, I wasn't doing this, I wasn't doing that. I mean, it, it was just a big, fat lie. And when I finally got honest with myself, and most importantly, when I got honest with God and said, God, help me, help me in this situation. I mean, uh, I didn't have, I, I, I if I would have had a choice, gosh, I would have chose the family, the kids, but I didn't. I didn't have a choice. And, and for so long, I, I just said, okay, this is the way I am. I wasn't mad at God. I wasn't mad at uh, anybody. I just was like, okay, this is, this is how it's going to be. But I know that my sinful nature and my flesh were dominating me when I was younger. And, um, and I'm thankful that I finally got honest with myself and most importantly with God and said, God, help me. Help me in the situation. Help me to um, to um, be free from it. And he did. He came through strong. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Aaron. Can you repeat it? Repeat <laughs> the question? Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. I forget too many things. No, you're good. The question <laughs> is: Will God always take away someone's same-sex attraction as that person chooses to follow God?
3: Honestly, I don't think so. I'm straight up. I don't think so. You know, there's. There's things that I've been struggling since I was little, and I still struggle with now, you know? I've been watching, I like I said, I was watching porn for a very long time. I started at seven, and it messed up my thoughts, you know, for a long time, and my thoughts are still messed up. I've been with God for, I came to God fully for, since three years now, and I still struggle with my thoughts. I think, I think he will take away some things, but we just have to choose to be faithful and follow him. It's a really hard answer, and straight up, but I don't think he'll take away every single thing. Sometimes, you know. Yes,
4: Pastor, please. Yeah,
1: Um, I totally agree with him, and I think the reality is some. I I know same-sex attracted Christians who love Jesus and have chose to be single and celibate to honor God, and they continue to have those desires, and they've prayed that God would take away those desires. And they haven't gone away. There's other stories of people who those desires have been taken away. This is why I think it's so important to remember that whether you're attracted to the same sex or not, you can choose to faithfully follow Jesus. That you can choose to say, God, you know what? My sexual identity is not gonna be the most important identity. That your word, your truth, and the fact that I'm made in your image and I'm a child of God, I'm gonna live my life according to the scriptures. And that may conflict with how I feel, but I'm going to choose to trust you, God. And just because, I talked about this last week, but just because you're romantically or sexually single does not mean that you have to be lonely. That is a lie from our culture that uh, sexual singleness equals loneliness. Uh, The church is a family, that we can be a family together. You can have other deep, meaningful relationships without being married and without having a sexual experience with someone.
4: So good, thank you, thank you so much. And we have uh, time for just a couple more questions. I'm gonna throw it back to Bethany and Erin. You both touched about this in your stories, but if you could get very practical with us, what advice would you give to stud- any, any students who are wondering, how do I get over a dark past?
2: Okay. <laughs> um. You know I have a really great relationship with with um, one of my older brothers, and he told me one day we were talking and the topic was same sex attraction and he said, Aaron, he said, I can't even begin to understand what that was like for you i i have I have no no clue what you went through and um and he was absolutely right Pastor Lisa said last week she said uh for the last question about of sex change or some, something in, in, in regards to that. Um, she said that uh, she would just listen and she, would, she wouldn't show judgment. And, and, and that's the best thing, the best thing you could do for somebody is just listen. Just listen to them. Listen to what, what, what they have to talk about and, 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 and just, th- that's, all, that's all I ever wanted was to be listened to. That's all I ever wanted was to feel like somebody actually cared and uh, cared what I was going through Um, and it took a long time. It took a long time for me. Um, I, um, I, uh, I never talked about it. I always just, uh, you know, uh, we're as sick as our secrets and, and I had a lot of secrets and, and once I, I started talking about it and once I started asking for prayer, um, God moved, God moved on my behalf and, and, um, it, uh, it helped with, uh, a lot with Calibur Recovery, doing step work, doing a step four inventory through Narcotics Anonymous. I love NA, I love Calibur Recovery. I mean the, the 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 second time I went through the steps with C R it was it was the biblical. It was all about the Bible and it was just it just did something for me. And um, and those small groups, the small groups over uh, in the small groups is the meat and potatoes, guys, of 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 these of these groups that take place, because that's when, you know, it's all confidential. You know what you talk about is going to stay within the group and and it just chains break, chains break. Uh, God brings true freedom when you get vulnerable with other uh, with other brothers or sisters and really talk about what's going on with you, God moves. So that, that's how it was for me. Thank you.
4: That's so good. Thank you, Erin. Bethany, anything you'd like to add? Can you repeat it? Yes, absolutely. So, what what practical so advice would you give to yeah. any of our students who are wondering, how do I get over a dark past? You got to face it first.
3: <laughs> you know, a lot of times you want to black out the worst things, but... How I healed is I looked at the ugliest of the ugly, you know? I'm telling you guys, that one memory at that point, that was so, that was so bad. I'm telling you, that was, it still, it still, it still comes in my thoughts, but it doesn't mess me up like it does before. You have to, you have to face your ugly past because you're not alone, but don't face it alone. <laughs> I'm serious. Like Aaron said, were Recovery is sick. Um, if you go, when you guys turn 18, you should go, if you guys have issues like us, because <laughs> it's really cool. Um, it, it helps you with a lot of things you're dealing with, um, but I'm just saying, just face it and um, look at it. Don't, don't try to look away, you know, look at the ugly and accept it and forgive yourself, forgive them, because then you'll never be able to, mo- if you don't, you'll never be able to move on, you know?
4: Um, thank yeah, you Bethany well so good <laughs> I am going to we're going to ask one more question I'm going to give it to Erica to uh, uh, just wrap us up in a minute and then we'll give it to Pastor Eric um, Erica how would you answer this, this question from one of our students if, if a same sex married couple came to our church or a transgender person came to our church how should we treat them
0: with love And I think that that is one of the things that the church as a whole, not necessarily purpose church, but the church um, has failed. Um, I can tell you there are so many people in the LGBTQ community who would love to come to church but do not feel safe because they don't feel like, they will be met with open arms. Um, and you know, Jesus ate with what was considered the worst of the worst. And the LGBTQ community is not the worst of the worst, so why can't we eat with them too? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's so important to remember that we are called to love absolutely everyone, whatever their circumstances and we are called to um, just show them who Jesus is through our actions, and that's not meeting them with anger or with slurs or saying you're wrong or things like that right out off the bat. It's saying, hey, you're welcome here. We love you. We'd love to hear your story, mm-hmm. and then build a relationship and go from there. Mm-hmm.
4: Thank you, Erica. Thank you. Can we thank our panel, Erica, Aaron, and Bethany, for being here tonight? Thank you so much.
1: That's so good. Well, hey, again, and hopefully we can get some of them back. On March 9th, we're going to do a longer Q&A time and then let you into into life group times. But I wanted to just close with this. I just feel personally convicted that I I just need to share a few things with you guys. Uh, Number one is this. If you're in this space, if you're in this room, and you're attracted to the same sex, You have gender dysphoria. You identify as gay, lesbian, trans. Please, please, please hear these final words. You are loved deeply. You are loved first and foremost by God, your creator. But you are loved by us. You are loved by me, by your life group leaders. And I recognize that what I presented to you guys last week and this week, is, is is not always a popular cultural message. And, and it, is a, it is a view of the scriptures, a traditional view, a historic view, I think an honest view of what the scriptures teach. But it can be hard for some people to accept that. And because our interpretation, I've just felt, I've, I feel more convinced than ever before about what the Bible teaches on this topic. And at the same time, I feel more convicted than ever before, that if we're gonna hold this interpretation of the Bible, we must, we must work tirelessly to create safe communities for any type of person to be loved and cared for, to feel a sense of God's deep love, to do relationships. And so if you are same sex attracted or experiencing gender dysphoria, you are welcomed here, you are loved any of your leaders, and me as your pastor, and Claire as your pastor, and Haley as our coordinator, we would be honored, honored to hear your story. Mm -hmm. And you will not be hated on, you will not be uh, targeted, you will not be ignored, you will not be isolated, you will be welcomed and loved. Mm -hmm. And for for any of you students here who do not experience same-sex attraction, or do not have gender dysphoria, I am calling you to help me Create a kind of community where everybody feels safe and loved here. I said it last week. There is no room in this space for us to have homophobic slurs, for us to dehumanize or degrade people. That is not what Jesus would do. That is not what this community is about. And so I'm going to ask, my desire is that this place would be such a safe place. It's rooted in the scriptures, rooted in God's truth. And because we are such a gracious, compassionate, truthful community, that every single person feels safe and loved here even if they don't agree with everything we believe. Mm -hmm. And so I'm gonna ask you to help me create that kind of community and so that you could invite your friends and they would know they're loved here as we talk about what God speaks about, the truth, because that's ultimately what we believe is best for all of us. And so I'm gonna pray for us and then Erica, Aaron, and Bethany are, are going to stay up here for a little bit. If you want to come and talk to them, they'd love to talk with you. If you want to reach out to your life group leader privately, you can do that. If you want to come and talk with me, you can do that. Uh, next week, we'll be back in life groups. I know we've had you out of life groups for two weeks, so you're going to have a lot to process next week. But I want to encourage you to come back. And uh, thank you so much for helping HSM be a place where we can talk about anything. And we can look at God's word together. I love you, I love you, I love you. And more than me even loving you, God loves you. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single student here. Thank you for this community here. Thank you for the ways that you're using this group of people by the power of your Holy Spirit to transform all of us, to help all of us become more like you. And Jesus, I pray for anyone in the room who is attracted to the same sex, who's gender dysphoric, that experiencing gender dysphoria, that they would just feel an overwhelming sense of your love for them, that you care about them, that they would feel my love for them, that they would feel the love of others in this room and know that this is a safe place for them to be loved and cared for. And God, all of us, all of us, are in process of following you more closely. So God, would you work in each of our lives, whatever is right in front of us, whatever we're going through? God, would you work in our lives to make us more like You, because we're made in Your image, and we're Your children. We love You. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, one more time. Can we thank?